What's up, my fellow history nerds? And welcome back to Adult History. As always, I am super excited to share my love of history in a new and entertaining way. This podcast is going to cover a few of the things you've learned in history class, but a lot of the things you didn't. I'm Christiane, and this is Adult History. This evening's lesson is the story of an amazing black American female mathematician who defied the odds set out for her and became one of the most important NASA scientists to exist. She was even responsible for calculating the rendezvous paths for our lunar moon landing. But before we get into all this space talk, let's mix up a drink. Our historically themed cocktail for this evening is called the Moonwalk. Created to commemorate the famous event, it was the first thing Armstrong and Aldrin drank upon their return to Earth. Start by adding ice to your shaker. Next, add one ounce of grapefruit juice, one ounce of orange liqueur, and three drops of rose water. Shake with ice and pour into a champagne glass. And finally, top with champagne. Sip and enjoy. All right, history nerds, let's get started. On August 26, 1918, Criola Catherine Coleman was born in White Sulphur Springs, West Virginia. She was the youngest of four kids, and from a very young age, she showed strong skills in mathematics. During this time in the United States, African Americans were extremely oppressed, and the town where Catherine lived did not provide schooling for students after the eighth grade, which was a huge issue for Catherine. But her family knew how smart their child was, and they arranged for their children to attend high school in Institute, West Virginia. The school was on the campus of the historically all-black college, West Virginia State. Catherine was only 10 years old when she enrolled and graduated high school at the young age of 14. So already she is way beyond her peers in intelligence and skill. After she graduated, she immediately started attending West Virginia State College and enrolled in every math class they had to offer. Catherine was also mentored by many African-American professors at the school, including W.W. Schieffelin Clater, the third African-American to receive a PhD in mathematics. He even added new mathematic courses just for Catherine. At the age of only 18, Catherine graduated summa cum laude with degrees in mathematics and French. Right out of college, she took a teaching position at a local all-black public school. Catherine then married James Goebel in 1939 and shortly after left her teaching position to attend graduate school. She was one of three black students and the only female offered enrollment at West Virginia University after the Supreme Court ruled that universities who offer graduate programs to white Americans must also offer them to black Americans. Let's take a quick break. Now back to the lesson. So just a year after Catherine began her graduate studies, she chose to unenroll and focus on having a family. James and Catherine would go on to have three daughters. She chose to continue her career as a research mathematician and worked mostly as a teacher. 
It was very difficult at this time to be in this career field as an African-American, but Catherine didn't let that stop her. At a family gathering in 1952, one of her relatives mentioned that the National Advisory Committee for Aeronautics, or NACA, was hiring mathematicians, and Catherine immediately applied and was hired in 1953. According to Katherine Johnson, Oral History, archived by the National Visionary Leadership Project, Katherine said, at first she worked in a pool of women performing math calculations. Katherine has referred to the women in the pool as virtual computers who wore skirts. Their main job was to read the data from the black boxes of planes and carry out other precise mathematical tasks. Then one day, Katherine and a colleague were temporarily assigned to the help of an all-male flight research team. Catherine's knowledge of analytic geometry helped make quick allies of her male bosses and colleagues to the extent that they forgot to return me to the pool. While the racial and gender barriers were always there, Catherine says she ignored them. Catherine was assertive, asking to be included in editorial meetings where, at the time, women had never been allowed to attend. She simply told people she had done the work and that she belonged. When Catherine was transferred to the Guidance and Control Division of Langley's Flight Research Division, she joined a team of white male engineers. And because of state racial segregation laws and federal workplace segregation introduced under President Woodrow Wilson in the early 20th century, Johnson and the other African-American women in the computing pool were required to work, eat, and use restrooms that were separate from their white coworkers. If you don't know much about Woodrow Wilson's racist laws and beliefs, I recommend listening to the podcast Very Presidential by Ashley Flowers, and you will get a much greater understanding of the blatant racism that has taken place in the presidencies throughout the years. It's appalling to say the least. The girls' office was labeled as colored computers. Yeah, these women worked as human computers before electronic computers became mainstream. Catherine said she knew segregation was there, but she never really focused on it. They were all there to do a job, and that's what mattered at the time. Plus, it helps that she had the strength to stand up for herself and prove that she wouldn't be defined by her skin color or sex, but by her knowledge and talent. This quickly earned her favor with the white male she worked with. They respected Catherine. She recalls in the Indiana University Press that, we needed to be assertive as women in those days, assertive and aggressive. And the degree to which we had to be that way depended on where you were. I had to be. In the early days of NASA, women were not allowed to put their names on the reports. No woman in my division had had her name on a report. I was working with Ted Skopinski, and he wanted to leave and go to Houston, but Henry Pearson, our supervisor, he was not a fan of women, kept pushing him to finish the report we were working on. Finally, Ted told him, Catherine should finish this report. She's done most of the work anyway. So Ted left Pearson with no choice. I finished the report, and my name went on it. And that was the first time a woman in our division had her name on something. I think she is so amazing and such an inspiration, not only to women, but African-Americans everywhere. Let's take a quick break. Now, back to the lesson. So let's talk about just a few of the record-breaking missions Katherine Johnson helped make successful. She calculated the trajectory for the May 5, 1961 spaceflight of Alan Shepard, the first American in space, and calculated the launch window for his 1961 Mercury mission. Catherine also plotted backup navigation charts for astronauts in case of electronic failures. And in 1962, as John Glenn prepared for the first mission to orbit the Earth, 
He felt uncertain of the computer's calculations, and he was quoted as saying, get the girl to run the same numbers through the same equations that have been programmed into the computer, but by hand. If she says they're good, then I'm ready to go. And thanks in large part to Katherine Johnson, the mission was a success. I can barely do mental math in my head, so her knowledge and skills absolutely amaze me. Katherine Johnson also helped to calculate the trajectory for the 1969 first lunar landing mission with the Apollo 11 rocket. Yeah, that's right, she helped put the first man on the moon. These are just a few of the achievements Katherine completed in her lifetime. She worked on the shuttle programs, satellite missions, as well as a potential mission to Mars. In 1956, Catherine lost her husband to brain cancer. She later remarried to a man named Jim Johnson, who was a United States Army officer. They were married for 60 years until Jim passed away. Catherine highly encouraged her children and her grandchildren to pursue careers in science and technology. Catherine helped write 26 scientific papers, and in 2015, President Barack Obama awarded her with the Presidential Medal of Freedom, which is the highest honor a civilian can receive. She has had two buildings named in her honor, as well as many other awards and recognitions over the years. In 2016, the movie Hidden Figures came out, accounting the pioneering breakthroughs of Catherine and her NASA co-workers as African-American women in a time of segregation and sexism. Katherine Johnson is truly an American hero. I hope you learned something from today's lesson. Katherine Johnson made history where no African American or female had gone before. I so greatly admire her work and her story, and I hope generations of African Americans and women to come follow in her footsteps. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode where we really dive into the history and heroism of Harriet Tubman. Today's lesson was written and edited by Christy Ann, and all music for this podcast was created by Corey Miller. You can also find today's lesson sources on our Facebook page, at Adult History.